You're listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness from LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs. It's Unnecessary Roughness, presented by the Jewelers of Las Vegas. Stewart has it with six. Alicia Clark on her. Going to go for the jumper from the corner. Count of it goes. It doesn't go. John Quill Jones, too late. Aces win. Aces win. The Las Vegas Aces have won the championship in 2023. Back to back titles. It's Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 on Unnecessary Roughness. For the first time in 21 years, a WNBA team has done just what you heard T.C. Martin say. Go back to back. And the Las Vegas Aces have done just that with a 70-69 to victory over the New York Liberty without Chelsea Gray, without Kia Stokes, and without the ball in their hand. Had to get it done defensively. Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports joins us now on the phone lines. Paloma, when you hear that call, when you hear that they've gone back to back, they're the champions. I know you talked to Coach, but... What do you think? How does that make you feel just hearing that right now? I mean, I think just waking up here in the city of Las Vegas, I mean, what a special time to be in this city um, with all the teams, you know, here in Las Vegas, the Golden Knights, the Aces, UNLV football is rolling for the first time in 39 years. I mean, I feel like every single week, you know, a team is making history here in Las Vegas, and that is so exciting to have the whole world watching this city, you know, with the Super Bowl and Formula One and everything that's going down in this city. And uh, for the Aces to win the 2023 championship in New York City on the road, shorthanded, you know, the whole world doubting them that they're shorthanded. Um, and the entire season they had, all the adversity they, they fought through with losing Candace Parker, um, going through injury, going through adversity. I mean, you throw anything at them. You know, Becky Hammond's suspended. You throw anything at them, and they're still going to rise to the top. Um, and that's what we saw last night. I mean, the first quarter was definitely shaky out there as they're trying to figure it out offensively. You know, you're down Chelsea Gray. You're down Stokes. Um, and you're trying to figure it out and figure it out in game four of the WNBA Finals. But um, my hat goes off to Sydney Colson. Kayla George, everyone that stepped up, um, you know, last night. And, you know, my flowers go to Asia Wilson, the WNB Finals MVP. Um, I tweeted last night, she is playing like the MVP title she deserves yeah. uh, to be crowned MVP. Um, she put up historic numbers in the postseason. I think she became the first player in WNBA history to score over 20 points, 15 rebounds in three games in the postseason. So, I mean, she's averaging 20 points, 15 rebounds in the postseason. It's, it's tough to stop her. So, um, you know, it's just an incredible time, Q. You know, you wake up so thankful, so excited uh, to go to work, to be a part of this community, to, to see history, to be, you know, around the best athletes in the world. Um, it's just amazing. It's an amazing time here in Las Vegas. Yeah, I mean, look, I had to put my red polo on this morning, and normally I put that on when I'm on edge, right? Normally normally when I got a, a point to prove is when I put my red polo on, but I had to put it on just to tip the cap because, man, yeah. I mean, without the players that they didn't have and they're on the road against a really good Liberty team, man, Sydney Colson, like you said, you got to give her a lot of credit, but Paloma, I wanted to give Alicia Clark a lot of credit. She oh, had yeah. a very tough defensive uh, you know, responsibility mm-hmm. and assignment on that last play right there. And she played mm-hmm. it to the T. She got help from Jackie Young at the end. But mm-hmm. how big was that to get a defensive stand, something that Becky Hammond's been preaching all year long? 
Yeah, I mean, on the other side of the court, you're going up against the best players in the WNBA on, on the Liberty with Vandersloot and Unescu and Brianna Stewart. I mean, they're so talented as well. And they, they played hard all game long, too. But, you know, for the Aces 2023 season to end on a defensive play and to end on their defensive effort, I mean, what a way to wrap up the season because that's what Becky Hammond has told us you know, all season long, that at the end of the day, at the end of the night, it comes down to their defensive performance, their defensive effort on the New York Liberty for for them to make it tough on, on the New York Liberty. And we know how talented we how how talented New York is and, yeah. you know, how talented they will be for, for our next few years. Um, but, you know, this is the matchup that everyone wanted to see. And, and for the final play to come down to, to the Aces playing so hard on defense, like you mentioned, Alicia Clark, I mean, what would the Aces do without her this season? Yeah. Um, picking her up in the offseason, a two-time WNBA champion. Um, she has that championship experience. She has that veteran experience. Um, you know, we, of course, we want to talk about Candace Parker and all the pieces they picked up in the offseason. But what would the Aces have done without Alicia Clark on that play, um, you know, healthy, ready to go? And, you know, to me, it's so special, you know, for her and what she said post game about, yeah. you know, losing her father this past year. And, you know, she dedicated this game and this season to her father. So, you know, in my thoughts, you know, maybe her father was out there on the court last night, you know, yeah. cheering her on. So um, just an incredible story from Alicia Clark. You know, she she told us at practice, you know, heading into the season that, you know, she's been on every side, the losing side, winning side, championship side, not being picked up side. You know, she's hit all the adversity and all the highs and lows in the WNBA. But for the final play to come down to the aces on defense, um, making it tough on the New York Liberty. Wow, just incredible. I mean, I think everyone was screaming in Las Vegas and across the country um, when the Aces won. So, man, it's just been an incredible season covering the Aces, just all the adversity they had to face this year, um, the ups and downs, Asia Wilson, you know, getting the third place in, in <laughs> the MVP, you know, race. And I love the shirt she wore. Yes. MVP period. Um, so, you know, it's it's, Asia Wilson deserves to be on every single billboard and signature shoe and everyone should sign her. And I mean, she's got to be the biggest athlete in the world right now. Yeah, I agree. You, hey, look, if she gets a signature shoe, I'll go buy it. I know she's Absolutely, Nike. Me too. I know yeah, she's Nike, too. so I'm good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll go get that quick, fast, and in a hurry. Mm-hmm. And I know you were down at the facility. I mean, you, you welcomed the, yeah. the Aces back into town. You uh-huh. got a chance to catch up with Becky Hammond. What was Coach like talking to her, knowing that she's a back-to-back champion in the WNBA? I mean, first of all, what does it say about what kind of person she is uh, to do an interview with us at 6 in the morning? <laughs> right, that part. Right off the bus. Um, Becky Hammond is one of the most competitive people I've ever been around in my life. Um, she is so hardworking. I mean, I think she would go out there and play, you know, with her with her squad any given moment. Um, you know, it's funny when they were shorthanded in New York. I was like, man, does Becky Hammond lace up and just right. go out there and play defense? Because she could. Right. She really could. And a lot of her a lot of her characteristics remind me of the Lady Rebels head coach Lindy LaRock. Um, just so competitive and so hungry to win and will accept nothing less. And, um, you know, their drive to win and win championships, um, you know, it's, it's contagious. It's contagious. And I think I mentioned, Q, that, you know, the Aces were a successful franchise with Bill Lambier, um, and they were successful, and they had great draft picks, and they drafted Asia Wilson and Jackie Young, 
Um, but when Becky Hammond got into town, everything changed. I think everything changed mentally for this team um, and, and physically now with their, their training facility. But yeah. Becky Hammond was a game changer. And for the Aces to win the first professional sports championship, you know, that only sparked, you know, uh, uh, that only sparked a fire for every other pro and collegiate team in town yeah. to be like, all right, they set the standard. This is what we have to follow. You know, Barry Odom wants to go win a championship. Kevin Kruger wants to go win a championship. These guys want to win a championship for what Becky Hammond started in this city and, and the, the winning energy she's created. But she said last night was electric, exciting. You know, she was kind of had no words to explain the final second of that game. She was just like, you know, you know, I'm glad we won. I'm glad we won. I'm glad we got the stop. I'm glad we won. Um, but she just said it was just incredible. You know, she played for the New York Liberty. She shouted out New York as, you know, the, the city that gave her an opportunity. You know, she wouldn't be where she is today, a Hall of Famer, um, if she hadn't had her career in New York. So um, it was. It, I'm sure it's been a long long season for her so um yeah. you know for her to come home be with her family you know be be crowned twice and uh go enjoy the championship parade on on monday yeah absolutely paloma villacana fox 5 sports is our guest here on radio nation radio 920 necessary roughness speaking of the the parade on monday mm-hmm. uh monday yeah. night do you have any idea what, what it's going to look like where it's going to be i mean because f1's got the the strip all locked yeah. down it feels like so the last time I talked to the Aces, they won't give me any concrete details yet, but over talking to them throughout the playoffs, you know, they told me the goal is to have it on the strip somehow, some way, you know, whether that's more towards Mandalay Bay, not necessarily on the strip. Um, but my opinion is, you know, when this is on national TV and everyone is, you know, watching this, you want it on the Las Vegas strip. Yeah. Um, and it was incredible last year to shut down the strip on both both directions um, and to see, you know, thousands of fans, you know, on the Las Vegas Strip. It was just so incredible, you know, an image I'll never forget. Um, but you have to do it on the Las Vegas Strip. You know, it's iconic. Yeah. Um, you want all eyes on Las Vegas. So um, do I think it's going to be in front of the Bellagio Fountains? Probably not. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, talking to Mark Davis and talking to Natalie Williams, um, you know, they told me during the playoffs, you know, the goal is to have it on the Las Vegas Strip. So, you know, whether that's more towards Mandalay Bay, um, you know, that, whether that's more towards, you know, kind of the south end of the Strip, um, we'll see. But I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that it's on Monday night and, you know, everyone can get off work and, and head out there. You might have to call out of work on Tuesday, but it's okay. There you go. I think everyone in Las Vegas will give – everyone an extra day off this week yeah work's overrated anyway don't worry about it like tell everybody they don't have to go to work it's super overrated but paloma you you mentioned mark davis and i wanted to bring him up anyway he had a vision for this team when he took it over and as you mentioned he went and hired becky hammond he gave her a very good contract to be the ladies uh the ladies coach right and so he's got the facility so they're not playing out of a high school or practicing out of unlv he did all that now you're seeing around the league you see what the mercury just did they went and hired a coach from the NBA that was on the Magic staff. Like, Mark Davis has really kind of laid the blueprint out for what other WNBA franchises should do. How big is it that he saw the vision to invest and really take care of of his team and take care of those young ladies? Well, in my opinion, he grabbed the best coach in the NBA. Facts. I mean, Becky Becky Hammond, in my opinion, was the best, absolute best hire. Uh, Her basketball IQ, her experience, her WNBA experience, um, 
you know, her history of, of coaching women or coaching, coaching men and, and, and playing in the WNBA and how that translated um, to the w, WNBA was incredible. I mean, it was a historic season this year for the Las Vegas Aces and no one, I mean, obviously the New York Liberty, but no one came close to, you know, what the Aces did this season. So, um, of course, Becky Hammond worked with Popovich and we all know that he's, he's an NBA legend as well. So, um, you know, I think that's what the WNBA needs. Yeah. The WNBA needs um, the best coaches in the NBA to come over to the WNBA and bring that championship mentality, bring that championship work ethic. Um, I know that the Aces trainer um, came from the Detroit Pistons. Um, she has assistant coaches from uh, the, uh, the Clippers and yep. the Toronto Raptors. So, you know, this Aces team is like an NBA team, you know, and in, in right. my opinion, you have NBA coaches, you have an NBA facility, um, you know, but in my opinion, Q, you just need to give women the resources that they need. Yeah. Um, you know, professional teams should not be playing without a locker room. Professional teams should not be playing at high schools. Professional teams should not be looking around town for cold tubs and, you know, the resources they needed. You know, they're professional. You should treat them like professional and if you want a winning product, you need to look at what the Las Vegas Aces are doing. No doubt. I agree with you 100%. Matter of fact, if I could agree on more than 100%, I would. I mean, that's <laughs> that's the absolute truth. Here's a nugget for you. And next time you talk to, talk to Coach Hammond, you can pass this along to her and you can take it as yours. How about this? Nate Tibbetts, right? He's the new head coach of the Mercury. He came over mm-hmm. from the Orlando Magic. He's a South Dakota guy. Becky Hammond is a South Dakota girl. <laughs> Nate yeah. Tibbetts, Nate Tibbetts' dad actually was a coach in South Dakota and coached against Becky Hammond. So all those stars align. Those two coaches now are the two highest paid coaches in the WNBA. They're Mm -hmm. both from South Dakota, and they both kind of squared off against each other at some point, and they will, obviously, when he's coaching the Mercury and she's coaching the Aces. So there you go. There's a nugget for you. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. And, yeah, I mean, Becky Hammond always talks about her past, where she grew up, um, you know, her blue-collar work ethic. Um, you know, it's incredible to see not only her leadership, her basketball IQ, but, you know, the work ethic. I think her, her teams, you know, you know, her players only feed off of that. And, you know, she was a great at Colorado State. She was a great uh, in the WNBA. She's a Hall of Famer now. Um, so, you know, wherever, wherever Becky Hammond goes, she's going to be successful. But we hope she stays in Las Vegas forever (laughs) right yeah don't want to lose her at all i would understand if she were to end up going somewhere don't want to lose her because she is fantastic well before we let you go i gotta ask real quick about unlv five and one coach odom is doing some really good things with the rebels um yeah what what are your thoughts on them what they got coming up and of course i know you got something featured on the red zone as well yeah i mean just another historic season happening here in las vegas with with unlv football five and one for the first time in 39 years, um, you know, Barry Odom has this team locked in and rolling. Uh, you know, the win up in Reno was huge. Um, UNLV came out and dominated the Wolfpack. You know, they were up by, like, three scores at halftime. Um, this offense is so exciting to watch. Um, he wants to see them come out and, and clean up things defensively. Um, in their secondary, their DBs, you know, missed a few guys in, in Reno. You know, UNR able to score late in the fourth quarter twice. So, um, some things to clean up on defense, but, you know, Barry Odom, you know, it's just, it's exciting to be around him as well. You know, he's such a competitor, um, a great, great leader at UNLV. A lot of the guys on, on the team, you know, share that, you know, 
he has 110 sons on, on the football team, and he <laughs> treats them just like his family. Um, so a family culture at UNLV, and so exciting. I'm actually doing a piece on his family. He has two sons that play football here in Las Vegas. JT Odom is a linebacker at UNLV, and then Garrett Odom is a junior quarterback at Faith Lutheran. And then he has a daughter, Anna, who dances here in Las Vegas. So doing a really cool piece on his family um, and how he's bought into this community. And, you know, his kids live here, his kids play here, um, and that he's, he's fully all in in Las Vegas. And it's been so exciting uh, to be with him every Sunday on the Red Zone. And, and not only to, you know, be on the Red Zone with him, but to really dive into this 5-in-1 program and what is working at UNLV um, but I, Q, I, I'm just going to say it all day long. I really do think it comes back to the aces and that championship energy. I mean, you go, you go online, you go on your phone, you, you drive down the strip, and you, you see them everywhere. I mean, the yeah. aces are everywhere, and, and they've won back-to-back titles, and that's got to fire you up, whether you're a fan, whether you're an athlete, whether you're a teacher, whatever you are. You know, that's got to fire you up to go out and put your best foot forward at whatever you're doing. So, um, I know Becky Hammond and the Aces have, have sparked something really special here in Las Vegas. And I know UNLV is super, super hungry uh, to be the first team ever to win a, a Mountain West championship. They've never won a Mountain West championship oh, wow. at UNLV. Haven't been to a bowl game in 10 years. Um, so they want to make some history uh, here in Las Vegas this year. And, and I think they can do it. Yeah, you think? I think so, too. They, they're one game away, one win away from yeah. being bowl eligible. So I definitely believe that that's going to happen. Coach Odom's done a hell of a job with the program yep. in his first year here in Las Vegas. Great stuff as always, Paloma. Thanks so much for giving us some time this afternoon. We appreciate you as always. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Q. Talk to you later. All right, see ya. There she goes, Paloma Villacana, who was out there around 6 a.m. 6 a.m. to greet Becky Hammond and the Aces when they got off the plane, when they rolled up to the facility. Look, I'll tell you, I was still wiping the eye boogers out my eyes this morning at 6 a.m. I like to think that I work hard, but I didn't want to work that hard. <laughs> right? I was trying to get the eye boogers out my eyes and trying to uh, get my get my wits about myself around 6 a.m. But, uh, yeah, man, that's, that's awesome. I'm so happy for the Aces, especially with everything they've gone through this year, starting off the season with Becky Hammond suspended. Right, they had all the Dierica Hamby type situation was going on. Then you lose Candace Parker, who was your big time acquisition. You lose her for the rest of the year to injury. Right, I mean you've got all kind of different things going on. Then all of a sudden you're in the finals of all of all of all uh, you know rounds of the playoffs. You're in, you're in the finals, and you lose your point guard in Chelsea Gray. You let, he, she goes down. Akia Stokes, who's done a great job filling in for Candace Parker, she goes down. It's like what is really going on? And you could just see, you know, you could see it almost evaporating right before your eyes. And instead of them saying, well, you know, it's not our fault. We'll have to figure it out. We'll come back to Vegas in game five and try to get it done. They get it done on the on the Liberty's court, shorthanded, defensively get it done. That was incredible. This team averaged like 90 points a game. They scored 70, and they won. Pretty stinking incredible. 319 is the time. We've got Lincoln Kennedy, the great Lincoln Kennedy, coming up at 330. Before we get to that, though, I mentioned that Vinny Bonsignor was in the Raiders locker room, and he'll join us at 4 o'clock. And he talked to he talked to Brian Hoyer. He also talked to Aiden O'Connell. So we have both of those guys available for you. As a matter of fact, we'll go inside the Raiders locker room right now and hear Vinny and Brian Hoyer. Kind of the second time in about a month like, yep. going down this process. Uh, anything change or is it just basically the same? Same preparation as always. Like I said, you know, part of being in that role the same way it was going out there on Sunday is you never know and you always prepare for the best and prepare to help the team any way you can. 
you feel like you played? Do you feel like you played well enough on Sunday to say, hey, you know, I should be the guy? On? Well, I mean, that's not up to me. I, whenever I play, I want to play good for myself, for my teammates, for for the coaches. So, um, you know. I played for 15 years, and you know whatever the situation is Sunday, it is, and I'll be ready to go. How did you think Sunday went? Just coming in the game, communication, all those kind of things. It was good. I mean, it was good for me to get back out and actually play some football. Other than a few drives in the preseason, the last time I played wasn't since uh, last October. So to get out there against a familiar face, I guess you know, kind of go out there and kind of know what they were doing, and had a good week of preparation. So um, you know, it's always good to get out there against live bullets. It didn't take you long to take a chance downfield, the, the completion to Trey Tucker. Does that help settle you, settle you down a little bit on those kind of completions? Yeah, I mean, look, Trey's a guy who's worked really hard at, you know, getting better each week for a rookie. He's obviously, you know, super fast. And, you know, I saw a look, and Trey's done a good job. I think, you know, you credit him, you know, where I trust that he's going to do the right thing, and he goes out there and executes, and that, you know, helps build his trust, and he's working harder even more. So uh, it was just a great, you know, opportunity, and we hit it, which was, you know, it was good for that drive. After, after 15 years in the league, like you said, does it get any easier or any harder to not know going into each week? I mean, nothing ever gets any easier. I think it's every every week is its own situation, and you try to handle it the best you can. And, um, you know, whatever happens Sunday, like, you just got to be ready. And whether it's the first snap, second half, the fourth quarter, you never know what it's going to be. So um, it's the role that, you know, I'm here for, and hopefully do it the best I can. Do you have a point where you want to know if you're going to be the starter or not that day of the week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? No, I mean, look, it is it is what it is. Like I said, whether it's the first play, the second half, uh, the, the last drive of the game, you never know, and that's kind of comes with the territory. So, you know, let the coach make that decision and, you know, go based off of that. It's been a lot, you know, you've been in the league a long time, as you mentioned. Did you get the butterflies when you came into the game Sunday? Or like, oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I try to, my daughter does equestrian and she gets nervous before each, each ride. I'm like, honey, I've been playing football for 15 years and I get nervous even if I don't know if I'm going to play or not. So I think that's, it's not, it's not so much nervous, it's anxious. It's, it's you know, those are good feelings. That means you care, that means you're still in it. And, um, you know, so I've been able to use that as a parenting, you know, model yeah. for her. Kind of a familiar place too, Soldier Field. Yeah, yeah, I had a, I had a good year there. So um, unfortunately, I ended with an injury, but you know, enjoyed my time, enjoyed playing in that stadium. And I'm a Midwest kid, so you know, going 50 degree weather sounds good to me. <laughs> there he goes, Brian Hoyer. With uh, you heard Vinny Bossignor, you heard Adam Hill, Paul Gutierrez uh, amongst the crew there talking to him. So that's one quarterback. So does that tell you who's going to start? Nah. Not at all. But the other quarterback was available as well. Who's that other quarterback? That's Aiden O'Connell. Vinny had a chance to catch up with him as well. I know there's uncertainty on what might happen on Sunday, but yeah. how do you just prepare and kind of stay locked in for whatever the case might be? Yeah, you know, just try to do my job every day, try to get better. Um, definitely learn it's a, it's a day-at-a-time process. Um, take it day by day, so trying to do that. The experience that you had playing against the Chargers, does that help in, for whatever does happen on Sunday? You know, you'd hope, um, but it, it's also it's a different scheme, different team. So, um, again, just, just trying to take it one day at a time. It is a homecoming for you as yeah. well. Are you going to have some people in the stands or yeah. members? Yep, some some friends and family will be there, so um, hopefully be be fun to see some people I haven't seen in a while. What uh, as you go through the week, uh, do you want to know early on, early on, or are you better off if you don't even find out uh, until till late? You know, I think it's just it's up to the coaches. Um, it's it's how they see best fit, and so I think um, you know I'm I'm young. I'm definitely just taking what they say and um, trying to do my best with whatever that is. There you go, Aiden O'Connell right there with a couple members of the media led by Vinny Bonsignor. And it's funny, well, do you want to, do you want to know earlier in the week? Hell, it's Thursday. <laughs> it's already Thursday, Jack. 
I mean, if he don't really know, and maybe him and Brian Hoyer are, you know, playing it dumb, and maybe they do know. But if they don't know by now, I mean, it ain't going to get any earlier. <laughs> I mean, even if they find out right now, it's still late in the week. thought that was kind of funny. But, yeah, there you go. You hear from Brian Hoyer. You hear from Aiden O'Connell. And I'll tell you, they, 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 they know the drill. They know the routine. Don't say too much. You know, give an answer, but don't say too much. And that's why both guys are made available. Uh, it's funny, man. Aiden O'Connell sounded like a young Brian Hoyer. <laughs> he really did. You know, I mean, just kind of someone that's been there, done that, been in the system, and that's that's the maturity. I think that that's a plus for Aiden O'Connell is that he is mature. He's not some 19, 20, 21-year-old, whatever the case may be, rookie, right? He's a little bit older, so he's got that maturity. I mean, he's got a family. He's got a wife and kids. You know what I mean? He's, he's, he's older than most rookies are, and so he's had a, ch- a chance to kind of grow a little bit. And when you hear him talking – Right, he just he kind of knows what to say, how to say it, and is going about his business. And, and you know, Vinny asked him the good question about the experience against the Chargers. You know, does that help? And he's like, eh, you know, maybe, but it's a different team, different scheme, right? It's it's not it's not the same thing. It's not like you're just preparing for that that team that you already played, and, and it's going to be everything is going to be the same because it's not. So again, I think the best thing, and this is just my opinion, best thing for Aiden O'Connell and his growth is to get multiple games against different teams which will bring you different looks, put different experiences, right? Home game, away game, away game, home game, whatever the case may be. That's how you really start to see who this guy could be. We had Mike Tannenbaum earlier on in the first hour from ESPN, former GM of the New York Jets. I asked him, you know, what would you do? What kind of position would you be in? Do you think it should be Brian Hoyer or Aiden O'Connell? Starting on Sunday, he said, Brian Hoyer, you're still in it. You've got a chance. And the Raiders do. They have a chance. Not saying that Aiden O'Connell is going to sink the ship, but you have a chance. Put the veteran out there and give him a shot to do what he does. He didn't He didn't do anything to not deserve a shot to go out there, but based off what you saw on Sunday. 325 is the time. Many thanks to Vinny Bonsignor for sending that over to us. Raiders locker room sound, both Aiden O'Connell and Brian Hoyer. Joining us next is a guy who spent plenty of time in a Raiders locker room. Not this locker room, but a locker room. That's the great Lincoln Kennedy here on Raider Nation Radio 920. This podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness on LVSportsNetwork.com is brought to you by Porta Subs. Make sure you check out Porta Subs' six-foot party trays. They're perfect for game days. You'll get your choice of three made-to-order classic subs made with premium meats and cheese on your choice of fresh-baked bread, loaded with fresh veggies, toppings, and sauces. Game day six-foot trays serve 12 to 16 people, so you can sit back and enjoy the game. Available at all Las Vegas area Porta Subs, neighborhood sandwich shops, order ahead at portasubs.com. Yeah, the big one, this one is Max, right? You know, he's the big guy that has a lot of havoc to the offense, and he's an all-pro player and continues to play that way. You know, that's the big thing, right? So we got to have a plan for him. You know, their pressure package is good, too, but you got to have a plan. You know, we got to do a good job of executing that plan, not only during the week, but also, you know, tactically during the game. You know, that's an important part of, of uh, being having tactics. You know, so it's important we do that. Raiders color analyst Lincoln Kennedy is live on Unnecessary Roughness right now on Raider Nation Radio. You just heard Matt Eberflus, the Bears head coach, talking about Max Crosby, what happens with that defensive line, how they can get after the Bears, their quarterback, Tyson Bagent, uh, Bagent, and then also uh, the fact that the offensive line, their offensive line is not in very good shape right now. But as you heard, Lincoln Kennedy joins us on the phone lines. Lincoln, we appreciate you as always. Always great to catch up with you. And, well, we know that Jimmy G is out officially, so if you're a player in that locker room, would you rather the veteran play, or do you want the rookie to start on Sunday? You know what, coming back 
to that. I didn't really have a whole lot of instances where I had I was faced with that sort of mm. you know quarterback conundrum, if you will. Um, and and look, when it comes down to it, it, players, in my opinion, are all the same. They just want to win. They they're hoping that the coaching staff understands who gives us the best opportunity to win, and they're putting those players on the football field. When you're playing against a team like the Bears, who just they're not very good. There's no other way to put it. They're not very good right now. Does it make more sense for the veteran to go in there and have an opportunity to just kind of get on them early as opposed to maybe a rookie who may make a couple mistakes and give them a chance to stay in that game? I mean, that's, that's kind of really picking some thin straws, if, that, if, if you know what I mean. Because, mainly because, you know, when they, when they got Hoyer, they, they – they were under the assumption that they might not have a quarterback who's capable of playing in the system. And then obviously you bring in Aiden after you draft him, you, you, you get him ready for the season through training camp and spring camps. And he's looked, he looks, he's looked good. I think the, the promise is bright. The, the future is bright behind Aiden. I just weren't so concerned about the season here and now, you know, the thing yeah. is, is that you don't want to get a, a rookie ready to play, have him play, then bench him because uh, your starting quarterback comes back and, and so on and so forth. You want to kind of have a rookie stay in there so he can his, get his, his lumps, uh, see as many plays as he can. So that's probably why I would go with Hoyer. I think the season, there's still too much of an urgency cue right now to win this win now, and I think the season is still in line with, every, with being a 500. You can do that. That's why I would go with the veteran more than the rookie. Lincoln Kennedy is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Devontae Adams, he let it be known he was frustrated from the, you know, lack of targets and the lack of, you know, the offense being really good. Lincoln, I loved what he said. I thought that that was alpha dog mentality, and I think that that's how you want your player to think. Did you see anything or hear anything wrong with what Devontae had to say? Nothing wrong with it, and but I also know from watching the games they have made a conscious effort, effort to try to give him the football. The fact is that he he might want the football, and the Raiders might want to get them the football, but there's a defense that's being played on the other side. Sometimes they don't want him to have a football, so it's not as easy. And Devontae has taken some hell of hot hits this season. Yes, um, you know, trying to get him the f- football and trying to find a way to get him the football. I mean, I would be more, more more mindful of that, but I don't have a problem with what he said and and the way he went on. No, no, I, I didn't either. I thought, again, that's that's an alpha dog, and that's exactly who he is. As far as those hits, Lincoln, I mean, the, the guys can't take those consistently, man. Those are all bad. I mean, how how does the the quarterback go about protecting him better than that? Knowing the defense. You know, if you throw a slant into a two-deep defense, there's going to be a safety that's sitting right there. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? And you, yeah. you're going to get your, your receiver's head taken off if you're not careful. No matter how you drill it in there, I mean, look at look at the hit that Peppers had on Adams this past game in the Patriots. It wasn't an illegal hit. Right. He hit him with the shoulder, but he knocked the living snot out of him. Yeah. So you know, it's it's like you got to you got to be careful that. And it's happened a couple of times this season where safeties or other guys have come into view from some of those in routes. It happened to Myers. It happened to Vontae Adams a couple of times. A quarterback has got to be more mindful of the defense and what the peril of your receiver your, that leads to your receiver if you're not careful and you throw it into that harm's way. What should be the mentality for this team as they travel to Chicago on Sunday, knowing that they're playing a Bears team that isn't very good? Well, the Raiders aren't very good. They need to win. Right, right. I mean, it, it, you know, yeah. look, I'm not I'm trying you. to be overly critical, but I'm, I'm – No, I'm with you. Facts. The Raiders are about a 500 team for a reason right now, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's when you're going in taking care of – hopefully you're going in to take care of business against a team you should beat. But don't, don't, don't let it slip that those teams on the other side of the field get paid too. 
So no matter how what their record is, anybody can be beaten on any given day. The Raiders almost dropped one to the Patriots this right. past weekend. So they, they can't be mindful. They can't look over anybody and say that we got this. We just need to go out and take care of business and get better because the second half of the season is not going to be easy. I said the exact same thing, and that's, I'm glad that you you basically you know agreed with me because <laughs> I was asked that question about, well, you know, the, the Raiders can stay on a roll against the Bears. And I said, yeah, well, the Bears are thinking that they can get right against the Raiders, right? I mean, they, they've got to have that mentality because the Raiders – haven't done anything that makes them look like they're you know just a juggernaut they're a, the best team I mean they're struggling offensively and Lincoln I'm so surprised still that the offense has not gotten to gotten off where it's, it's, it's supposed to go how do you think that they attack this Bears defense on Sunday well I think they kind of t- attack the same way they've been attacking the games all season try to establish a run don't want to necessarily put your back and 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 just always rely on the pass but you 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 try to establish a run you be mindful of going through it, but more importantly, what you're doing is you're trying to maintain drives. You're trying to take your team down the field, and when you get in the red zone, you're emphasizing the fact that you need to get touchdowns rather than threes. That's still the same model that they've had for the last couple of years. That's still the same one they need to have for this year, this season, and right. this game. Lincoln Kennedy is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness talking all things Bears and Raiders as that's the next game up on the schedule for the Silver and Black. And you mentioned the red zone. Do they need to throw the ball into the red, into the end zone more than they are right now, Lincoln? It depends on the play that's called, Q. I mean, it's hard to really say, you know, you need to throw the ball more in the end zone. But the space is condensed. And yeah. the thing is that you don't necessarily want to put the ball in harm's way even when you're attacking the red zone. So you've got to be mindful where you put the ball and how you throw it. Um, there are what we consider safe throws, which are towards the back of the end zone. It gives you a little, little to no room for mistake. Um, but if you have a taller receiver, you want to try to play the jump game. You want to try to use things in your advantage. The last thing you want to do is just try to throw the ball too much into the end zone because there's so many bodies back there, you run the chance of getting it intercepted. It just feels like once they get to the red zone, it bogs down. They'll have a great drive between the 20s. Then they get to the red zone, and it just bogs down. And more times than not, it feels like there's a pass that's short of the end zone, and they're hoping a guy can make a play, break a tackle or two, and then it's just not happening. So that, to me, is where some of the frustration should come in. Well, if you're playing, if you're playing against a team that likes man-to-man defense, yes, mm-hmm. then the crossing routes, the short routes, Yards after the catch are what comes in. If you're playing a team that plays a lot of zone in the area, then you have to be more creative that way. The problem ultimately becomes is the execution in the red zone for the Raiders. You know, you look at the last couple of games, there's been times where they've had penalties, they've had miscues um, that haven't been able to get in, but they just haven't been as – the execution hasn't been as good as, say, in the open field in the red zone for the Raiders. What do you think this Raiders defense is going to look like this week? Uh, something that you've talked about before is getting some pressure from the interior. They were able to get some interior pressure last week against the Patriots. Well, you're going up against a, sub, a subpar offensive line and the, and the Bears, and they've had their shares of offensive line problems. So you know there's going to be a mad focus on Mad Max, uh, no pun intended. Right. Um, but the, the thing is somebody else is going to have to stand up whether it's Tyree or Malcolm Kuntz, somebody from the other side, or in, in the interior part, there's going to be, have to be a collection of guys that want to get after this uh, quarterback for the Bears uh, and slow down their running game, and it's not going to just be number 98. Right, and the run game is where they're going to they're gonna rely heavily on the run Absolutely. game. They've got a rookie Absolutely. quarterback. They run the ball pretty well, don't they, Lincoln? Yes, they do. They are pretty well getting downhill, so the defense has got to be better than it's been, probably the best it's been all season. How difficult is it to prepare for a rookie like, like Bajan when they don't have a whole lot of film out there on them? Well, it's not necessarily difficult. You, what you do is, as a pro, you do what you do best. 
Okay. We understand what you do best, and it's up to the coaching staff to put together a game plan to slow things down or, or to stop, you know, what, from what on the other side of the ball. And if you don't, if say if you have a bad first half, you're supposed to make adjustments as you go along to take those powerful things away. But you know what the Bears are going to do. There's no secret to their success or formula to the success. They want to run the football. They want to control the clock. They want to keep the opposing offense off the field because they know they've got a decent defense that can uh, to limit the amount of points they're giving up. Lincoln Kennedy is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So the Raiders are on a two-game winning streak right now. If they do go to Soldier Field, pick up this W on Sunday, how big would that be for the confidence, the morale, everything in that Raiders locker room to be on a three-game winning streak? Well, it's always easier to coach off of a win than it is a loss. So, you know, to answer your question, I think it would be huge as we're pointing, you know, quickly approaching the second half of the season. I mean, look, you don't want to look ahead, but you have to look at what you have up in front of you. Right. You still have some, to face some really good teams. And if the Raiders have aspirations of going into the playoffs, not just making the playoffs, but winning a game and trying to go the distance in the playoffs, they need to learn how to win. They need to learn how to play and win as a team together right now in the regular season while you have the opportunity. I threw the question out there yesterday, and I'll ask you now about what a successful season would look like for the Raiders this year. Is it playoffs or bust for you? It's kind of a a hard question to ask. When you're coming into a season with a new quarterback, albeit a veteran, there's a a curve that you have to give into that that is going to take some time. You can't expect to have immediate results. Sure, it would be nice. And there are a lot of people in the Raider Nation who are impatient and want to see this team win now. But I've said it before, and I've said it on air when uh, when we were doing the broadcast. I said it with JT and EA doing the pregame uh, stuff. This, to me, is not a championship-caliber team. Right. This is a playoff-capable team, but they have a lot of work to do. I do think they have the star power, the, the ability to get into the playoffs. Are they there to win that first game? Can they win that first game against what I'm seeing in the AFC? I'm a little reluctant to say they can, but anything is possible. But right now they still have a lot more work to do. They've got to get better on offense if they're going to win a game in the playoffs. I agree 100%. And to get better on the offense, they've got to be able to run the ball downhill more than they are right now with Josh Jacobs. Uh, are you starting to see him come around? Come around. He hasn't hit 100 yards yet, but he looks like to me he's running hard downhill. Well, they're starting to figure it out. One of the things that I noticed this past game against New England was that there was more of a side adjust from the receivers when they know they didn't have motion. If one of the receivers had to come in to dig out that safety in the box, they were able to do that. It wasn't necessarily the quarterback calling for it. But the quarterback has to be aware of it because if there's anyone, uh, any other motion, you can't have two guys going in motion at the same time. So you have to get that, that sort of that extra blocker settled before you have any more motion. With that being said, I did see a side adjustment this past game in New England, which I think will you know, bode well for them moving forward because there's a lot of times where so much is going on, the quarterback, quarterback and the offensive line might not have the way to say, hey, look, there's a safety creeping in. You have to leave it up to the receiver to come in and dig him out. So, tight end Michael Mayer, he had a nice game last week against the Patriots. Uh, I know he still has to work on his blocking and get better at that, but does that open up the offense more now that he's starting to get more involved? Well, I think, you you know, when, when, when you ask questions like that, it's like what we, what we as fans are hoping will happen, but we have to see it happen. Yeah. It's not so much that, you know, Mayer hasn't got the touches. It hasn't been where the quarterback has been looking for him. Right. You see what I'm saying? The, the, yeah. the quarterback is your decision maker, and that's why his, his discretion is most important. The coach can only do so much. 
The coach can call whatever play from the sidelines. But if he comes into the frame and says, you know what, I want you to find Michael Mayer or I want you to find Jacoby Myers or I want you to find Devontae Adams, the quarterback is going to go through his progression as he sees fit in that position. A lot of times there's a, there's a tight end who's running across the field who's wide open, but yet he's looking for Jacoby Myers or he's looking to focus on Devontae Adams and he doesn't see it. So, you know, yes, the opportunity is there. Yes, I would like to see more of it. Not only the mayor, but Hunter Renfro's virtually no-show. You don't have to take as many checkdowns as you do in the backfield because defenses are going to start keying on that. I mean, there's so many facets and and parts to the whole moving offense thing. You've got to have protection. A lot of times a quarterback is is a little bit skittish, has happy feet, is going to get rid of the ball quicker until it's ready to go. So there's a lot of things that come into play. It's not just cut and dry. Hey, let's get the ball to, to 87 more or 81 more. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I do. That's a great breakdown of it. Would you say, and we'll kind of close out with this, would you say that has the same thing to do with the taking the deep shot as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. And talking with some defensive coordinators around the league, they said they're not concerned about the deep shot yeah. they're not, because, because they haven't seen it. And until Hoyer went in there and tried to get one and got the ball to Tucker, yeah, well, when's the last time you did see a deep pass? Last year? It's, it's different <laughs> now yeah. with the quarterback situation that we had. Derek wasn't afraid to pull the trigger, and when he had Ruggs in there, of course, they, they, they were the ones that the reason why they drafted Ruggs to begin with, to have that deep threat. They've got speed. It's just whether or not you use it, and when you use it, what I mean by using it is actually throwing the ball to them or making the attempt to throw the ball to them to keep defenses honest. Without that, you, just, you have what, what you've seen the first six games. Well, as we close out, Lincoln, how are you feeling about this game? Are you feeling pretty good that the Silver and Black have an opportunity to go out there and get the dub and come home 4-3? and three? I'm optimistic towards every game. It's one of those, it's <laughs> the silver and black team that's going to show up. Yeah, so I'm, I'm excited about going to Chicago. I get to get some deep deep pizza. I get to nice. see a beautiful city. Um, I'll be coming back home, but I'm hoping to come back home a winner uh, from Chicago rather than you know sulking and, and asking what happened. I heard that. Well, hey, man, have a great call. I know you will. You do a fantastic job every time you're on there. We'll be listening, man. We definitely appreciate you. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. Absolutely. The great Lincoln Kennedy with us here on Raider Nation Radio 920. He's like, man, I'm optimistic all the time. I'm going to Chicago. Deep dish pizza, baby. That's what's going down. So uh, I'm not mad at him at all for that. I spent a couple days in Chicago myself when they had the draft. uh, And this is when the Raiders, who did they draft? Oh, Jihad Ward. Yeah, how could I forget? Jihad Ward. The next pick by the Tennessee Titans in the second round was who? Derrick Henry. I'm just saying. So, yeah, there's that. Uh, Jihad Ward, to his credit, still in the league, but he's still still in the league. <laughs> he ain't Derrick Henry. That's a whole other conversation. But that was the first draft that was in Chicago. It was a lot of fun to be there. Matter of fact, I was there. That's when Andrew Billings got drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals as well. Uh, that's former Raider Andrew Billings, who now plays for the Chicago Bears. I bring that up because B- Billings is a Baylor guy. So we were. that's why we were there is to see these different Baylor guys get drafted. Uh, it was Corey Coleman, Andrew Billings, Bryce Petty. There was a handful of Baylor guys that were going to go into the draft. Xavier Howard, matter of fact, he ended up being the best one that got drafted out of all of those guys that year. But it's so funny. We were at this uh, sports bar. It was like beer and, and bubs or wings and bubs or I don't know. I can't remember the name of the place. But anyway, it was a nice little sports bar that we were doing our shows from. Andrew Billings and his mom come by, and he sits down and talks to us literally the night before he gets drafted. We're on the air, and he sits down and talks to us on the air about the whole process, and he's excited about the opportunity. And he sits there, 
and she sits down, and we have a really good conversation, probably about 20, 25-minute interview. Great stuff from Andrew Billings. And if you remember, Andrew Billings is not a guy that's got, you know, that really talks a whole lot, but he really opened up. So we thought it was an awesome uh, conversation. So we wrap up the conversation. Andrew leaves. His mom leaves. I'm sitting there. The show's over. I'm about to get, man, I, I order some wings. I order some beers, plural. Like, I'm about to get busy, man. It's a good time. I look up, and I said, oh, I look at my phone. I go, wait, hold on. This ain't my phone. And so I look over. I go, Smokey, is this your phone? He's like, no, I got my phone right here. Craig, is this your phone? No, my phone's right here. Hey, Paul, what about you? Is this your phone? No. Andrew Billings' mom's phone. Andrew Billings' mom's phone. So what do I do as a nice guy? I have to return it to where they're at. They're at a hotel super far away from where we are, and I ain't got no car. I'm in Chicago. So I was like, ah, that's cool, whatever. You know, I'll walk, and I'll come back, and I'll drink some beer and whatever. I start walking, get halfway there, and it starts pouring. Like, it hadn't rained the whole time we're there. As soon as I get out there, you know, polo shirt on, like a light sweatshirt on, all of a sudden it starts raining. Like, are you serious? And then I get lost. And then I ran into, you know, on Bar Rescue, they had that, that bar that was in. They had that bar that was in Chicago, and it was that crazy lady that – Wanted to have, like, I don't know, not ghouls, but it was, like, some weird – she was she was a weird lady. And John Taffer rescued the bar, and then, like, a week later, she changed it back, and it's terrible. But I, I saw that play. I literally walked by it. That's how I got lost. I walked by it. I saw it, and I was like, oh, that's that place. So I started taking pictures. I started sending the pictures to the wife. I was like, look, here's so-and-so. We saw this on Bar Rescue. And then my dumb self got lost. So I had to find – did you find it, already? Did you uh, find out? Clear Bar. Is the clear bar? Right? No, I don't think it was called the clear bar. It was some. Is there a crazy lady on there? Yeah, it's. I typed in crazy lady. That's what came up. So I'm crazy lady in it. Chicago. Yep, that lady was crazy. I bet she has voodoo dolls at home. Oh yeah, voodoo <laughs> dolls. Yes, How's yes. That? <laughs> she had voodoo dolls all over, but I don't think they called it the clear bar. Underground like, Wonder Bar. Underground. Like? What? Yes. So maybe that's, that's it. the other one. Okay. That yeah. was the name of it originally. You what know. was it? The underground what? Underground Wonder Bar. Yes, Underground Wonder Bar was her name of it, and it was terrible. It was awful. Like, it, it, there was no reason for it. So John Taffer hooked it up. Oh, that's friend of the show, by the way, John Taffer. He hooked it up, made it really nice, and then all of a sudden she decided to go back to it and act like he didn't know what he was talking about. And currently that place is closed. Should not be a shock from any. 3.49 is the time. We've got Vinny Bonsignor coming up at the top of the hour to talk about what he learned at practice today. But right now, why don't we give something away, man? Two tickets to go see Jeff Dunham at Planet Hollywood. It's coming up this weekend on the 22nd. You want to go? Hit us up right now. Call number 9, 702-365-9200. Call number 9, 702-365-9200. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness. With your boy Q, broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Shout out to my guy Chris. Got hooked up with a pair of tickets to go see Jeff Dunham this upcoming weekend. Shout out to him. Not mad at that at all. We've got more winning on the way. We'll have some more winning tomorrow. Speaking of tomorrow, I'll let you know by the end of the show where I'll be. I'll be at Buffalo Wild Wings. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly the address. I'll, I'll find it before the show's over, and I'll definitely let you know. But I'll be on, on tour as I am each and every Friday. Harry Ruiz will be on before me on Deportes, but he'll be there. So if you want to get a little early, he'll be on from 12 to 2. I'll be on from 2 to 5. And uh, we'll close out the week real strong and head into the weekend. So I'll let you know that location coming up in just a little bit. Central Coast Raiders, hit us up on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187. Keyword R&R. Say, Q, 
I hope you're not going to Chicago this weekend. Sound like you are bad luck. And no, I'm not Central Coast Raider. I am not headed to Chicago. JT will be there, which is cool. He's uh, he's going to be on, on site and on location, so that's good looking out. But no, I will not be. And I do have the worst luck. When, when I travel by myself, I have the worst luck. Now, when I travel with the wife outside of our honeymoon, we're good, right? She usually keeps us in line. Now, our honeymoon was a different story. Right, neither one of us had a, had any clue what the hell we were doing that night. Apparently, so we uh, we failed there. But when I travel by myself for work, I always something always goes wrong. Right, it's either delayed, uh, they lose my bag, uh, something happens. Something will. Uh, it's inevitable that it always happens. And you know, someone gets sick next to me on the plane. I mean, it's, you name it, it happens to me. So no. I'm going to keep my butt right here in uh, Vegas and have nothing to worry about at all. So the Raiders will be fine without me there on location. Vinny Bonson, York kicks off hour number three of the show. He'll do it next here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness here on LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs.